Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yes, it's good to be back. Unfortunately, as you can tell due to the lack of mouth breathing, Stan isn't here this week. He's actually on his holidays. He's actually gone to the capital to speak to Lizzie about some things. More on that next week, Jim. But it's me and you this week. Just the two of us. We can make we can it, make it if we try. Just the two of us, you and I. But yeah, I hope that sounded awful on delay. I actually do. I hope it sounds <laughs> fucking terrible. But speaking of things that were terrible, Jim, Leeds, Leeds United's defence. Jesus Christ! Let's start. Well, they just they just seem to be the perfect team to play at Old Trafford for United, don't they? Six two last year and. Just about improved on it this year with 5-1. Although, it's it's a drubbing by United again. Um, yeah, I mean, what a way to start the season on a Saturday. Obviously, we had the game before that, which we'll go into. But um, Bruno gets his first Premier League hatching for United. Waits for the fans to come back. But maybe even more impressively, Paul Pogba makes four assists, creates nine chances, absolutely runs the show. Um a lot of good goals this game, Cooks. So I'm going to ask you, what's your, what's your pick of the bunch? The Lindelof goals, pass to goals Bruno. Goals or assists? I think it's the Lindelof pass to Bruno, that one. You know, the one that probably would have been offside last year. Um, yeah. That's some pass, that. But Pogba's on one. That's the Pogba that everybody knows and loves. Well, unless you're Graham Sooners, because he fucking hates him. <laughs> he can, Pogba could literally cure world hunger and Graham Sooners and go, why didn't he do it 10 seconds earlier? <laughs> well, he was unimpressed, wasn't he? Because he cost 100 million, you expect him to get four assists in a game. <laughs> yeah, Graham Sooners. What a fucking idiot he is. That, I honestly don't get how he is still in a job. I mean, if, if Pogba was to do that, get four, four assists a game, you know, like he should, he'd finish the season on 152 assists. And that's if he played every game. So maybe boys. Just beating, just beating the record by 132 assists. <laughs> Yeah, Graham Sooners is an idiot. But yeah, Fernandez was on one. I thought this year, obviously, we United go into the like a 4 3 3 almost and him playing as like a left or right centre midfielder, that he'd be further away from the net. And I could have I couldn't be any more wrong than I am now. Obviously, we've been getting a hat trick and his link up with Pogba has been well, it was class in this game. And if they can carry on like this, then they are obviously in for the title. But Leeds. They might as well go and join the NBA then, man, because it was so end-to-end all game. I mean, Luke Aileen scored that screamer, but yeah. they were never really in it, were they? No. I mean, Stan did make the point, um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, about Leeds are an ultra-fit side and Bielsa gets them in a grueling pre-season, so that could be a horrible team to face on opening day, especially with so many players arriving late. But in, in, in fact, they're the perfect team to play for United, the way they uh, match him man for man and leave so many spaces open. And ultimately, United just have better players than Leeds and it just suits them down to a tee. Pogba was brilliant. I mean, he was coming in from the left. Um, even though he started on that left wing, he played a lot of centrally and he just had so much space. And when you give world-class players space, I mean, they just run riot. My, my, my pick of the bunch, honestly, I think he was... The Pogba pass to um, Greenwood first, which is amazing, but Greenwood's finish. Um, he's running at full pace and he's on a horrible angle and he puts it perfectly in the in the corner. I mean, that's some finish. Yeah, I, I really like Mason Greenwood. I mean, it's the old cliche of left foot, right foot, devastating. 
but he is <laughs> he is honestly so two-footed that he's such a good player. And I was genuinely good that he didn't make the squad for the Oros because he was injured because he, he could have helped us in one capacity for another. But that finish was cold from Greenwood. I mean, he's still a teenager and, he, and he's, he's pfft, yeah, some finish. Yeah, I hope Southgate was watching for sure. That's that's, that's what I will say. Um, just just more on United, I guess. Before we move on, is it was a wonderful start to the season. They won by four goals, but um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I did see some people mention now in the first season of Ole's first full season in charge, nineteen twenty. Um, I think I'm sure you remember the game when United beat Chelsea four 0 on the opening day, and we kind of thought, oh, here we go, like this team is serious, like. They're going to take some stopping, and then from there, they just. I don't. I only think they won one in the next like seven games, and they ended up about thirty odd points behind City, romped home the title. So, is this a serial serious title charge? Do they have more strength in depth this season, or is it more of the same? To to me, it looks like. Well, I could, we have only played one game, and I don't want to get too. Well, I don't want to be too wax lyrical about Man United, but. They City tend to start slow. I mean, it, that usually happens. And United usually start well, and then they usually end up swapping about halfway through the season. And it, it like I said, they have only played one game, but it does look like more of the same in terms of like Man United starting fast and City starting slow. Obviously, we'll talk about City in a little bit, but I remember Mkhitaryan, I think maybe United played Swansea first year of Mourinho. He got like four assists on the opening day as well. I don't know if you remember that one, but he, he did and everyone was like, he's going to break the assist record of this, that and the other. Pogba scored a world in that game as well. I think Ibrahimovic scored as well. But yeah, you, you can definitely get carried away, can't you, on opening day. I think I remember Willian got an assist for Arsenal at the opening day last season and they might have been his only assist. I mean, he wasn't even in the squad against Brentford and I guess that magically worked his way around to that Friday night game. Um, what a fairytale win. What a fairytale win for the Bees. Did you watch it? I did watch it, lad. I was actually watching it not too far from uh, from Griffin Park, probably about fifteen minutes wow. or so away. But I suppose, but, didn't it? I suppose you didn't hear him singing um, "Hey Jude" at the end. <laughs> I tell you what, Arsenal. That second goal for Brentford. Let's start there, eh? What I mean, what a win for yeah. the bees, like you said. Amazing three points for them. Great start to the season. But Arsenal look like Arsenal, don't they? Jamie Carragher got his spot on, didn't he? It was new season, same old Arsenal. The week and they got bullied. And like, like you, you're exactly right. That a second goal, a long throwing, which is allowed to be to be flicked on it, be bounces, I think. And it, they just get bullied. Um, if all game is getting bullied, though, Ivan Tony obviously he didn't get as close to goal as what we'd all have hoped for because there's a lot of them hype around him after his record-breaking season in the Championship. But he absolutely bullied Ben White. And yeah. that is not, and I mean, Gary Neville um, said after the game, Ben White might play these nice passes and he might be good with the ball at his feet, but so is every other top six centre back. But the difference is they're not weak, they can they can defend, and ultimately that's what they get judged on. Yeah, I mean, Ben White needs to, by, by the looks of that, you can't let the ball bounce. That is so Sunday League bouncing in the six yard box because it literally bounced three yards out, and you can, you can say, it's probably Ben White and Bert Leno's fault collectively because anything in your six-yard box, even at Sunday League level, they say that should be the goalkeepers, like regardless. Anything six yards out is yours. It's your own mini box within your box. And Ben White needs to 
to maybe spend less time on the sunbeds and more time in the, the video analysis room because that that is what Brentford are going to do. The, there's no secret that Brentford were going to create a lot from set pieces, play for set pieces a lot. They're at home, the crowd's going to be behind them. And there's just no one in that back line for Arsenal that would take any charge. Like you look at the whole team. I remember even looking at the team and thinking, Jesus Christ, that's a weak team. Like yeah, and it look- was unrecognizable, wasn't it, from the oh, Arsenal teams we, we brought to watch. Oh no, yeah, 100%. And I look at it and I think every time I see Arteta's lineup, and I, c- I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, I look at, all right, you've got these promising young players, but where's your experienced heads to get you through it? Because Shaka's not going to do it for you. He's not, he is experienced, yeah, but he's not that good. Abamyang, I think, is over the hill. Lacazette's good for five goals a season. And then you surround yourself with all these young players, but there's no one to really like give them a kick up the arse. Like you said, Arsenal of all back in the day, Vieira, Henri, Saul Campbell, Ashley Cole, like players like Jens Lehmann that that would yeah. literally give them a kick up the arse, but there's no leadership back there. Yeah, they, they definitely definitely lost that fight and a little bit of nastiness to the, to the side. Um, before before we get on to Arteta, because I do think he's in trouble. I mean, anybody other than Tony and pressure for um, Brentford? Canos, Sergi Canos. Sergi Canos, yeah, the goal scorer. Former yeah, Liverpool. Right wing back. Yeah, I liked Formal him. Former Liverpool player. Is, is he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought he played really well. Like you said, Tony just bullied everyone. And it was Sunday League. I know we keep, I keep reiterating that, but it was. It was a very much Sunday League performance where Brentford fans were the 12th man. It's good to hear him nice and loud. Friday night football. It always seems like Arsenal play on a Friday night, doesn't it? On you know the opening, yeah, opening day, I, I remember a few times they played Leicester on a Friday night. On the opening day, they played Liverpool on the opening day on a Friday. But no, Brentford credit to him. And there was a big thing just last thing on the bees. They was asking the Brentford manager pre-match, "Do you think it's a big issue that next to none of your squad have ever played in the Premier League?" And he said, "Not at all, because the way we play and the way we believe in our philosophy." will get the job done regardless of what level we're at. And it just shows if they do stick to this and even at home, just win your home games against them and around you, I think Brentford will be all right. And I think that going off that one game, I don't want to get too carried away, but I think they will have enough if they can continue this vein of form, especially in the big games like this against Arsenal because they've started so well there. Yeah, especially at home. And then just just to round off that, back to um, Mikel Arteta is now the bookies' favourite to be the first manager to be sacked. I mean... Is this the beginning of the end for him? Because um, he's he certainly looking that way. He looks like he's kind of had a bit of a falling out with Aubameyang and Lacazette. He was very dismissive of of how they didn't play um, on Friday night with an apparent illness. Usually there's a bit, a bit of sympathy there and he kind of pushed that to the side. Um, there's a lot of questions in last season, so he really needed to start off well this season and it couldn't have gone any worse. No, it couldn't have gone any worse. Arsenal just literally... Same, like we said before, same old Arsenal, different season. And it'll be interesting to see if they get back in the team because they play Chelsea next uh, weekend. And it, obviously, if they're not in the squad, it's two of their experienced heads that I spoke about before. And even though I do think Aubameyang is over the hill, he's going to cause us more problems than uh, an Eddie Nketiah would or even a, a half-fit Gabriel Martinelli. But Arsenal, they're just a, a club in shambles. And imagine if they was in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League, that would only add more problems to Arsenal. And people were talking about him getting in the top four before the season started. And I just, they're idiots because this, this is this is Arsenal, with European football or not, they they do this. 
And they're just they're they're a banter club at the moment. And I'm not afraid to say that. They are a banter club. And I think we'll beat them next weekend. And I think he'll be the first to go, Jim. I do. Welcome back, ladies and gents. Obviously, you backed our bet of the week last weekend. Opening weekend winner, 23.8 to 1, landed. We uh, we got a few slips sent in from some lucky winners. I mean, like I said, you backed the bet of the week. You will win money and treat your pig of a half to those Alexander McQueen trainers that he or she has wanted. But if you want to take said pig out for a nice little meal over the course of the weekend, maybe TGIs, Nando's, or if you're pushing the boat out, Wagamamas, then you'll have to back this bet of the week <laughs> that I've got this week. Back-to-back winners. We're going to double up and we're going to start at Anfield with Liverpool to nil at home to Burnley. Then we're going to head over to Birmingham. We're going to go Aston Villa versus Newcastle. I've got Villa just to win that one. Then we head over to the Etihad Stadium. I've got Manchester City to nil and over 2.5 in that game. And then we're going to finish off. We're going to go back to London, over to Crystal Palace. And I've got Crystal Palace versus Brentford, both teams to score. So just to recap the bet of the week, we've got Liverpool to nil at home to Burnley. Aston Villa to beat Newcastle at Villa Park. Crystal Palace, both teams to score with Brentford at Sellers Park. And then finishing off with a three o'clock at the Etihad, Manchester City 2-0 and over 2.5 goals in the game. So, Jim, what can the punters do with the information that I've just presented to them? They can stick it in the rackers. So, we, we did mention earlier that Man City do tend to start slow in the title race. I remember, I think it was last season or the year before, when Andros Townsend Jim scored that mad goal at City, that they were they were down in the dumps and obviously they went on to romp the league that year. And we said before, it's hard not to get too carried away with the opening day because we've been looking forward to it for ages. But are you are you are you pissed off, Jim? Are you annoyed? Are you just like it's the opening day? I'm not that arsed. Um, yeah, I think it's gone from pissed off to annoyed um, to now a day later <laughs> opening day. Look, let's let's calm let's calm things down. It's not all it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, the the, the thing with the state performance against Spurs. I mean, as a City fan, it was it, it you could see it coming. Um, Guardiola has obviously given his England and Brazilian players more rest than other teams managers have because it's, it's important to get a rest he says he said that last week at the Community Shield so we didn't see as many um, starters back in our team as other team might have done um, but yeah just re- a, re- a really disappointing performance from from pretty much everybody but Spurs we, we, we've gone to Spurs in the past few seasons and that stadium has turned out to be a bogey stadium for us we haven't scored in there once yet um, we've lost four times, but in the previous games, we've been by far the better team, but just couldn't put our chances away. But this weekend was the right team. Once Spurs were better, they, they had more fighting and more energy, and they fully deserved the win. And it could have been more if if they counted us even better. I thought Son in the first half um, could have taken runs at Ake one-on-one. I was very surprised, but very happy he didn't do that. And then, because you see in the second half, when he did take Ake on one-on-one, he finished because he's a really good finisher with both feet and yeah they fully deserved it yeah we spoke about Mason Greenwood obviously 
his ability with both feet. Hyungman Son is firmly in that category with him as one of the best two-footed players I've seen in the league's history, along with Santi Cazorla, I would say. Genuinely, those three are excellent with both feet. And City in this game, it just looked like it's it just looks a bit dejected. Like you said, you've got people coming back in dribs and drabs, peps, give people more rest than, like you said, others, it's important to get it. And it was it was almost like Murphy's Law, wasn't it? Like Kane really wants to go to City. Spurs are playing City out in the opening game. It's at Spurs. Like you're, they're, they're obviously going to win if you're obviously superstitious. But like you said, it's a bogey stadium for City, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it'll be interesting to see how hard City go now for Kane obviously because you could say arguably that they were screaming out for a, a focal point of a number nine in that game. Yeah, I, I think definitely obviously a player as good as Kane would have helped any team out but ju- just analysing that game on its on its own I don't think Kane would have changed too much. I mean, the opening 20 minutes City started brilliantly the absolutely bad Spurs and you kind of feared the worst for Nuno's side um, going there because that could be a whole different atmosphere at the end of the game. Obviously, there was jubilant towards the end and the celebrations continued well after full time, but City just tired and they did the same last season. I remember when they beat Wolves on the opening day and it was excellent for like 40 minutes. Uh, managed to get the goals in that game, but then Wolves battered us, but we just held on and we started very slow last season and it's looking like another slow start this season and it's it's just worth it or not teams like Chelsea and Liverpool and United who, for me, have all improved quite dramatically since last season um, whether they let us get back into the groove of things but you can't judge too much for the City team just based on that sole performance because they will get 10 times better as the season progresses I thought Grealish showed many glimpses of why we've signed him I'm, I'm really excited to watch him and De Bruyne play together for a full 90 minutes because when De Bruyne came on City looked twice the team um, but yeah we've got to give Spurs some credit um, they fought well Nuno set up really well and I thought that front three of Lucas, Son and um, Bergwijn works very hard and that's why they won the game for me. Yeah, it's really pacey. Like, them three are going to cause anybody problems, especially when you, you, it's your first game of the season. And I know it's probably beating a dead horse at this point, but does ben- Benjamin Mendy have a future at Man City for you? Because, honestly, you didn't even have to watch the game yesterday. You could have just opened up Twitter like I did <laughs> and just saw the abuse and, and honestly, I don't like to like. I've never been one to to bash a city player, but he's, he gives nothing. Um, Garen Ellis said at one point that he can't defend. He simply just said he can't defend, and he can't. But he can't attack. He can't pass. He looks uncomfortable on the ball. He's weak. He doesn't win any headers. He's he's slow. He has a right foot that's just there for standing. He's I'm not even being dramatic. He's one of the worst players I've seen in this city shirt in some years. And he baffles me that he's our only natural left-back. And we're very lucky to have have had Zinchenko and Dell fill in over the years. I don't play there, but I've done very good jobs when asked to. And I think when Kane, well, if Kane does come with the strike situation sorted out, surely look at left-back. Um, city, you've got away with him for a few years, but I'd just love us to have somebody we can just plug in there about any of the any of the nonsense of playing like a centre-back there or any left footer there. But yeah, Benjamin Mendy, he's gone for me. I mean, I'd, if anyone came in with a £5 million offer, he's gone. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's literally 10 times his value. Obviously, he signed in, is it three or four years ago now for roughly around 50 million quid? And 
for me, like you said, lucky, lucky you've had Zinchenko, lucky he's such a professional, lucky he's so versatile because he's, if you don't know, he's an attacking midfielder, but that's where he plays for Ukraine uh, more often than not. I know he played left back a couple of times in the Euros, but by trade, he's an attacking midfielder. And obviously, he signed Nathan Ake because of his versatility. Same with Cancelo, he can obviously do a job at left back, but it does nummify your attacks, especially a team like you that thrive on like cutbacks to the edge of the box for that one touch finish that you do play with a natural left and right footer on those sides. And I think if you do get Kane, obviously, I know an option that City were looking at for a free transfer was Ryan Bertrand. And I really don't think that would have been that poor a transfer for Man City, especially for free. And if he's going to be your rotating starting left back with Zinchenko, I really don't think that City would be in a, a worse position now than if they had Ryan Bertrand. No, definitely not. And it was only on the day of the game where City released the story with Benjamin Mendy saying he's, he feels sharp as he as he ever has done following his preseason, and that's a sharp Benjamin Mendy. So, I mean, I could go on for honestly for ages talking how bad he is because I don't have words for it. But I, I guess we'll move on to um, the next game before I just ramble about Mendy, <laughs> which was just before that game. Um, it was a six-goal thriller. It was what a game it was. I mean, Newcastle took an early lead. St. Maxman absolutely rinsed Declan Rice. One of the Rabona. Yeah, one one of the most satisfying assists I've seen in a while. Um, Callum Wilson scores like he always does against West Ham, but Moisey's side showed great grit. And I mean, that's what the fans deserve because obviously they wasn't there last season to watch how great they was last season. But it looks like they've carried on where they left off. What a win! Yeah, I was so worried about West Ham this year just because European football won because they were never meant to be in there. They, they should never have even been in the conversation. Moyes overachieved and if if you don't agree with that then you, you simply don't rate the manager because he did he did overachieve especially with that West Ham team and to do the business he did for example Kufal or Sufal however you pronounce it Soychek Jesse Lingard who I thought they would really miss this year and I, ho- I hope going he, back on loan apparently yeah I was going to say I hope he does go back to West Ham because it did see that they, they were a perfect fit for one another but a player I thought watching the highlights on match today that did stand out in a really positive way was Saeed Benrahma. I mean, the guy was playing for Brentford a couple of years ago in the championship and he he played really well in this game in that number 10 role that Lingard vacated. And if they can carry on, obviously, with four competitions with this European football and they can bring Jesse Lingard back in with Mikel Antonio, who broke the record for most Premier League goals scored by a West Ham forward, then they can they can they can build on last season do well in Europe and give themselves a respectable league position at the same time because, like you said, they showed grit. That's the best word I can use, grit, because they were getting beat. And even on the opening day with this team that doesn't look too similar than last season, it doesn't, it doesn't. I thought Ariola might have played. Uh, Fabianski got the nod, but yeah, West Ham looked good in this game. They really did. Yeah, and just all, all your points about Europe there is exactly why they need to add Lingard as well as adding Ben Rama. Um, obviously, late last season, I think he came in January, didn't he? Ben Rama, and he's kind of just getting some good starts now. He's had a good preseason from from what you hear from West Ham fans. Um, so yeah, I was really, really impressed with Rice and Sichek. I, I think that's such an underrated midfield too. You know, I mean, it doesn't stop working hard. Declan Rice is. I don't. I don't know where he finds that extra extra bar of stamina. Should you say? But he, he pulled up a cramp about 70 minutes in and you're thinking, oh, he's had a long summer playing with England and he's run a lot for England in that midfield. So 
surely he's going to come off now. But no, he stayed on the pitch somehow and he just made still go busting runs from box to box. He made a big tackle on um, St. Maximan for, I think it was the Antonio goal. He, he, he was my man of the match, him and Sacheco. Like, like I say, I really like that midfield. Oh yeah, and you're definitely not the only one because those two players are not short of suitors. If if reports are to be believed, Bayern Munich are very interested in Thomas Suchek. They see him as a ready-made replacement uh, for Javi Martinez and Leon Goretzka, whose contract situation is still up in the air at Bayern anyway, but they see him as a cheaper option than, for example, going out and getting a player of the ilk of like a Paul Pogba when Thomas Socek is a player that's definitely on the rise and Declan Rice has got his fair share of suitors. Obviously, Chelsea and Manchester United very interested in him, have been for a while. And West Ham, this is an opportunity for their players to to now perform on a bigger stage, like we said. They're in Europe. They're going to get a lot more eyes on the product, a lot more eyes on their team. And they can, with the players they've got, build on it. But the only thing I think that will be, you could say, an Achilles heel for them, Mikel Antonio usually gets injured at one point or another and, and that worries me. If he goes down, then who plays up front and scores them goals? That's the only worry I have for West Ham. But other than that, they do look good and I just think that, that they are beefing up that squad, like you said, for Europe and beefing it up for this grueling league campaign because they they the emphasis on West Ham now is to, this is where West Ham should be. They shouldn't be fighting in the, to get out of the championship and be in a relegation scrap in the Premier League. West Ham are a big club and finally moved into that stadium. They're finally filling the potential for it. Welcome back to the podcast. Obviously, this is the time of the podcast you usually, usually sit along and play a bit of an 11 with us. But as we alluded to earlier, Stan and Lizzie are currently in contract talks. I don't know what it's about. I'm sure we'll find out next week. Um, so we will. I mean, it's been a great weekend of Premier League action, and there's so much to talk about. We feel like we've talked so much about the games, but we've also missed so many games that have happened. So we'll just round up some of the headlines, I guess. Um, Saturday night, Liverpool three, Norwich nil. Um, that was the repeat of Norwich's first game of the season two years ago. I mean. Not the best place to start out against Liverpool. And Salah becomes the first player to ever score five goals on five consecutive opening day fixtures. And and what a goal it was. He even made two assists this game. He's back to his usual self, the one season wonder. Yeah, I mean he's he's he splits opinion, Salah, obviously, for for one reason or another. But um I, I like Salah, obviously. He used to play for Chelsea, but he he's a completely different player to when we had him and like you said, five opening days of the season. Last year, Liverpool were in a rut with obviously Van Dijk, Gomez, big players getting injured for them. And obviously Mane not being himself, but Salah pulled his socks up and carried them into the top four. You, you could say on his own, really. He scored a lot of big goals from last year and it looks like he's just onto the next one as he is more than every year. He's a big, big game player for Liverpool and he's their best player. I know obviously Van Dijk's of massive importance but he can still go down like he did last year and Salah will still carry them to the to Champions League football but if the roles were reversed and Salah did his cruciate ligament would that still be the case would Liverpool still get top four you never know but they they were good in this game they were ruthless in front of goal obviously showing their depth Bobby Firmino Diogo Jota and like you said Mo Salah getting on the score sheet there they look good these 
yeah, definitely. I mean, you've not had much in terms of new faces, just uh, Ibrahim Kanate, who didn't actually make an appearance, but we've seen that Van Dijk and Matip already played as more minutes this season than they did together last season. Um, the Greek lad, Timmy Kaz, um, he's had a good pre-season and he actually impressed me that game. He looks like a pl- plug and replace for Robertson's unfortunate injury. Mane, like he said, wasn't himself, but he's had a long rest. Salah keeps being himself and if they can get Jota and Firmino, which for me is is the position most weak for that side because Firmino really tailed off last season and Jota obviously had the injury. If they can get them to compete and they've both opened their accounts already, then yeah, they they were right up there. Yeah, Liverpool definitely would be right up there. The only thing that I think Liverpool's problem could be this year is their depth. We spoke about West Ham obviously beefing up their squad. Liverpool seem to just be losing players, losing, losing, losing players. Genie Van Alden gone to Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Shakiri looks like he's going to Lyon. I know that they've agreed personal terms now, but that's just like players out of their depth because they started a midfield three of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita and James Milner. And if that's the, the benchmark for Liverpool this year, obviously they have players like Curtis Davis and players that can fill in there. Fabinho would start, obviously, with the Copa America. He played in the Copa America final. He should be playing, but I just think that's the, the only thing that could cost him maybe that midfield depth. Yeah, but the thing about Klopp is he's such a world-class coach that you, you can see him making that midfield into something on its own. And like you say, they're going to have to be, you know, come back in there. And Henderson is just signing a new contract. He's going to come back in there. And Harvey Elliott is a really exciting player. Um, Good to so see him play. Can, yeah, on, on paper, it's like it is a weakness. But it was a weakness when they, when they won the league easily and when they won the Champions League. But Klopp made it work because... He doesn't ask too much of his midfielders in terms of technical ability. We've missed we've missed out Thiago too. Um, yeah. So they're going they're going to have some players back in there. So I'm not worried about that too much. But I can definitely see your point on paper. It's not as strong as what a title contender should be. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. For example, if they play a uh, let's say a Barcelona midweek in the Champions League, and then they've got Man United away on the Sunday, how they'll how they'll balance them. But yeah, a massive win for Liverpool on the opening day. Norwich seems to be their, their whipping boys, really. Norwich can't buy a goal against Liverpool, especially when Luis Suarez plays for him. So they'll be thanking uh, God that he wasn't there. But a team that also play in yellow and returns to the Prem Gym, Watford, Elton John's team are back. <laughs> Ismail Assar, this boy is faster than I remember. I remember him being rapid, but Jesus Christ, this lad's fast. Yeah, he, he was really impressive, wasn't he? He, was, he got his goal. He was very unlucky not to get an assist. He absolutely ran. Matt Target ragged. Um, Dean Smith had to pull him. I mean, when you're pulling your left back, you know something's going wrong. He was, he was just completely all over him. And that's where they got a lot of joy, especially in that first half. And I don't think many of us seen Watford beating Villa on the opening day, especially the signings Villa have made. I didn't. Um, yeah, that from that from three, um, Dennis, Chucho and Saar, that could be really exciting to watch, you know, and I think if Watford were to stay up, I mean, they'd have to rely heavily on them three um, producing the goods like they did because Villa didn't play well, well but they got two goals. Um, so Watford have just gone over line here, so we're not going to get too carried away with them. I think the story from this game for me, um, definitely Cook, is how Villa are going to cope this season. Um they had a really good season last year, with, but they've lost Grealish. They've added quite a few new faces again, like they did the past two seasons with Liam Bailey coming in, Danny Ings coming in, he scored. 
and um, Ashley Young. Obviously, when when Dia coming in, and they are they changing formation too to a four four two. So it's a lot of changes. I mean, how long until Villa are going to be the side that they were last season? Yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting. It's obviously when you bring in a load of players like that, when you have one like a really big window. We saw it with Chelsea, obviously. In the summer, just gone. They brought in eight players, uh, and it takes time. Obviously, Lampard lost his job as a result of trying to maybe you could say too much too quick. And I hope that doesn't happen to Dean Smith because I really like him as a coach, and I, I like that Villa squad. It's a very likable squad. Buendia is a player that I, I do like. Danny Ings is a player I really like. Douglas Louise, another one I really like. And they're just like I said, they're a likable team, Villa, and I, I just think that. It is maybe too much too quick because if it's also like a if it's not if it's not broke, sorry, don't fix it because they look solid in that four two three one that they played last year. Obviously, with McGinn and Louise in that double pivot, and they could get away with maybe playing a bit more of an attacker in that ten roll. But I went on record in the first pod and said Watford are comfortably the worst team in the league, and I still believe that. I, I do, I do still believe that, and I still believe they will go down and. It's just credit where credit's due for Ismail Assar because when they went down uh, two years ago, um, he could have easily jumped ship. He was good that year and he took a year out in the championship. Uh, a very hard league to get out of, arguably the hardest league to get out of in, fo- in football. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. try and spend a load of money to get out, don't they? Yeah, and, and he bowed very well for um, Cisco Munoz. Um, he's, he's one of the most merry-go-round jobs in English football. I mean, Watford had three managers last time he was in the Premier League and like we alluded to before with Arteta being the favourite to get sacked, obviously he was joint favourite with the Watford one just based up purely on how Watford's chairman operate that club. So, very important when, especially in front of a home crowd, I'm sure that helped and I'm sure the home wins, like you said before about Brentford, is going to be massive for them teams near the relegation side. Near the relegation zone, we obviously seen Burnley lose at home. That is a massive one for me as well, um, because they're the games where you're going to pick up the points with the fans back. They're going to be more up for it than ever, and and, and yeah, so a really good win for Watford. And we go back to um, another game that happened on three o'clock. By the way, how good was it on Saturday to so have five games at three o'clock at the same time? So good, love. That that's that's what football is about. Really, I hated last season when it was. Every kickoff delayed and stuff just for TV, but yeah, um, to Stamford Bridge were was there Stamford Bridge? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Chelsea, it was the bridge. Yeah, it was the bridge. Chelsea Houses Palace, Patrick Vieira never lost against Chelsea as a player, but as a manager, um, he didn't come close. Just as a ruthless, very impressive performance from Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it, it was top from Chelsea, and as well, people forget obviously, fickle football fans, Chelsea played extra time midweek. I know it was only last week, but Kai Havertz came on as a sub in this game. He would usually start for us, but he played two hours of football in midweek and we we rotated quite a bit for this game. And I said it last week on the pod for the better of the week that Vieira's first game as a Palace manager, he would get nilled and he did get nilled because Palace didn't lay a glove on Chelsea. A similar situation to uh, what we were just talking about with Aston Villa, maybe too much too quick with Crystal Palace. He's, he's euthanized that squad very fast. It was an aging squad. And like we said uh, before, there's a little, not that much experience in that Palace team anymore. They've lost big players like Scott Dan, Gary Cahill, who are very experienced for them, and a manager in Roy Hodgson who knows the uh, knows the league like the back of his dick. And they've got 
Patrick Vieira in now, who, with all due respect to him, was a fantastic player, but he's managed New York City FC and Nice, and now he's managing Crystal Palace. It's, again, probably too much too quick, but Chelsea were great. Palace didn't lay a glove on us. They, I think they maybe had one shot on target in, in this match, Crystal Palace, but... Uh, yeah, I think Zaha had a half-decent chance, but Rudiger's block was just as good as it. Yeah, that was that. I remember that on the right-hand side. Yeah, he, he slid and blocked it, didn't he? But just a quick footnote on Marcus Alonso's free kick. What a goal. Trevor Chalabert scored on his league debut as well. What a goal from him. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to just gonna ask you then about um, Trevor Chalabert. What, 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 what I actually thought about this game was its potential banana skin. Um, that's why I was so impressed by the 3-0 win and how comical it was because of your midweek play. And I think Palace have improved quite a bit. But um, but yeah, what I've really liked about Tuchel and what he's done is he's not resting on his laurels from the Champions League win and he's come in and said, right, this is a clean start now. Everyone who started last season, don't you necessarily think you're going to be starting every game now? And he's given Trevor Chalabert a go in pre-season against Spurs in that, um, was it the Calm tournament for mine or whatever it was. Um, he played in the... Every pre-season. Yeah, he played, played in the Super Cup, obviously, in um, Belfast. And then he got his start today and... He looked very emotional after his first goal. Yeah, his, his mum passed away, I think it was three or four years ago. And he, it's a tweet that's been doing the rounds on, on Twitter um, that he, he said he would make it professional for his mum. And he said in his interview afterwards, he didn't know what to do when he scored. He just dropped to his knees and started crying. And the first person that hugged him was uh, Aspi. And it was just really nice to see. Uh, for, for any football fan, really, it was a great goal. And I'm so happy for Trevor Chalaber because his brother Nathaniel, who, if you know him, any anyone listening, Watford and ex Chelsea, he didn't make it at Chelsea, and a lot of people had high hopes for him, and it was a, a big shame that he didn't achieve his potential. But Trevor Chalaber, his brother, was in the same youth team as Reese James, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, that have won the the Youth Champions League multiple times, and and I think that the sky's the limit for this lad in terms of people are even now saying that we don't need Jules Kunde, which I don't agree with. Because, People get carried away, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you said, it's hard not to get carried away, but it's like, oh, we don't fucking need you to spend 60 million on Kunde because we've got Trevor Chalabra. And it's just his, his rise. He was playing at Ipswich last year on loan and he's just won the Super Cup and he's just scored a goal on his Premier League debut for Chelsea playing centre-back in a back three when he's really a right-back. And it's just really nice to see, but I think you're a bit fickle if you say we don't need Jules Kunde because we've got Thiago Silva who's going to turn 37 this year. We've got Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, Antonio Rudiger, Azpi. You really need two for every position and we play a back three anyway. So he is going to play. We're in four competitions. Chalabert can still develop by Jules Kunde under the tutelage of Thiago Silva. I think that we should still buy him. Chelsea did look great in this game, but there's two massive games for us next. We've got Arsenal away, followed by Liverpool away. And I think with Lukaku now officially done, he's available to play in the Arsenal game. Tuchel has said that that's the aim for him to start. It'll be very interesting to see because we were knocking a lot of crosses in the box in this game with no one to really finish it off. And I'm just so happy we've got him for the weekend. Finally, we've got a an out-and-out out number nine, but... Just the last thing on Chelsea, I am really sorry to see Tammy Abraham go as well because I'm a huge fan of Tammy. 15 league goals in his first season, all open play, no penalties, and he's going to join in a Roma squad 
under Jose Mourinho and I just want to wish him the best of luck because I feel like he has been so unlucky to be sold really I, I do I really yeah, yeah he, like you say he's a, he's a top player and the 80 million euro buyback clause that Chelsea including the deal just, just goes to show what, what a top player they think he might be worth in the future and I, I think you can be equally as sad to see him go but from a Chelsea point of view and how they run their club and the, the success that Abramovich has had you need it now and Lukaku comes back to Chelsea after years of scoring goals he's probably scored 100 odd goals since he lost because of Chelsea it's more mature he's a more rounded player so you're sad to see Abraham go but you're very excited to see Lukaku step in them shoes and we we said before how how Ben White and the Arsenal defence got bullied by Ivan Tony, and I can only imagine what Lukaku's going to do to him if he, if he does see the pitch and I hope he does um, I'm already feeling sorry for Ben White in that game, in that game. I think Chelsea are serious this year they really do um, but I think we will like learn more about it in the next two games because like you say the much harder fixtures than Palace at home. Oh, definitely. Like I said, Arsenal and Liverpool away come in, followed by the international break. Obviously, players go away here, there and everywhere. They'll come back a lot fitter. And then you never know, it might be a completely different 11 to one to when you've left. That usually happens. Go on, I was just going to say, just, um, that, that, that was our, our round-up. But yeah, elsewhere, Burnley got beat to Brighton. They came back from an early tackle goal. Everton put in about a million crosses and, and won. That bodes very well for them, I think. I think Dine is that's that's what Brendan Boyer and DCL will love that kind of game. Um, what else happened around the League Cup? I can't remember the other fixtures. Have we missed one? Uh, is that we, it? No, Leicester, Leicester Wolves. Wolves. Jamie, Leicester Wolves. Jamie, Jamie Vardy continues scoring goals. Um, to be a just, behind, <laughs> just behind Alan Shearer now for goals from a 30-plus year old. Did the little wolf celebration because like you say he is a shit house but we love to see it respect um, but yeah what, what a weekend for Premier League and the um, being a bit lax on VAR and letting challenges ride a bit has improved the game already just one game weekend yeah it's good and it's good to see fans back as well like we've been taking that for for absolute granted I will never take that for granted ever again it's good to see every stadium full every stadium full and it's good to be back and hopefully we'll have some more mouth breathing next week when Stan returns and but yeah but yeah it's been episode 113 we've been speaking about the opening weekend of the prem but if you want to get more of the cookie pod boys you'll have to go and follow our socials so you can get us on twitter and instagram using the handle at cookie podcast one that's at cookie podcast followed by the number one if you want to see more of our lovely faces you can get us on youtube as well just search in ttwtc podcast and we'll come up there for you but if you don't want to see our faces, you just want to hear our lovely voice for the commute to the work or when you're hooving the living room, you can get us on iTunes, Spotify, or on our host platform at Anchor FM. But don't forget to like and sub our YouTube channel as well because we are uploading clips on there as and when. But Jim, it's been episode 113. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Save it.